Hey, you guys, this is Stacy. And before we let you listen to this next episode of our Speak Out Loud podcast, I wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up. In this episode, we talk more in depth about eating disorder. And we know we've talked about eating disorder a lot on our podcast, but sometimes we think it's important for someone to go in a little more depth in order to share the fullness of their story. However, we always want to take care of you as our audience. And if you struggle with eating disorder or if you're with somebody who might get triggered, please choose not to listen to this episode. Other than that, it's an awesome episode with Alex Davis, and we hope that it teaches you a lot so that you can support the people in your life who are hurting with this illness. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Speak Out Loud podcast. Hey, you guys. We are so glad you're joining us today, and we are really thrilled to uh, get to visit with you again. We have a very special guest with us today who is a new member of the Speak Out Loud team. Whoop, whoop. And she, you've already seen the impact she's making. Yes. She's making a great impact. She is uh, helping us with all things social media, a number of ways that we're going to talk about in this episode about how um, what she's doing to help us spread this word of hope and the word of encouragement through uh, the the ministry, the outreach of Speak Out Loud. But even beyond that, just how you as our listeners can help get involved in that and engage in that process. So Stacy, I want you to introduce Alex to us because you've known Alex longer and uh, really you guys and your connection was kind of how this came about. Absolutely. I would love to introduce my friend, Alex. So for about a year, year and a half, off and on, I worked at a local bakery called the Harvey Bakery. And um, it produced a lot of really great friends for me. And I kept seeing this girl come in. And so she would always have connections with everybody that worked there. And I was just like, I want to know her. And so she came in because she would be working from Harvey or just meeting a friend or something like that. So anyway, one day we finally got to connect. I was feeling kind of reminiscent that day and um, just missing our girls, but I do that every day. So um, anyway, well, I went over to her table and stuff because one of the managers was talking to her because they're really close friends. And we just ended up talking for a few minutes and I just felt so safe and comfortable talking to Alex. And so we were like, hey, let's get together. And it took us a little while because just life, but then it happened and we clicked immediately. And, um, I made her aware of the fact that, you know, just cause we were saying things that we're praying about praying for. And I said, well, we need somebody to help us with social media so bad because we need somebody who can do it full time really. And she said, I do social media and I'm partnering with someone to just now start actually doing that as a business. And so, wow, it was just perfect timing. God had it all set up. And um, yeah, so here's Alex. I want you to kind of tell us more about you, Alex, that maybe we don't know yet, but I'm so thankful for you, Alex. So please share with us. Thank you, Stacy and Doug. Super thankful to be here and thankful to know you and had met you, Stacy at Harvey. Yes. It's fun to meet people there. It's If you guys haven't been there and if you're not local to Oklahoma, drive to Oklahoma now and visit Harvey Bakery <laughs> Cafe immediately. Incredible. I just had a muffin from there today. So you got to go. 
I am from Oklahoma. So I was born and raised in Oklahoma. I'm still here in Oklahoma. Went to school in <laughs> Texas. I said, I will never go back to Oklahoma. I hate it. But the Lord changed my heart. And so after I graduated from Baylor in 2017, I moved back here. I had been, you know, career-wise trying to pursue professional running. And then when my body and mind and all the things said no, I started pursuing what it would look like to work in ministry. Mm -hmm. So since 2018, January till about the beginning of this year, I was trying to work in full-time ministry. Sure. I still feel that calling. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be in a church That's is what right. I've learned. That's right. Lots of hardship, lots of things to work through in that time. Lots of traumatic experiences, you know, some little T, some big T, but sure. the Lord has been really faithful. You know, just a huge piece of my story is what we're going to be talking about today of how the Lord has been so kind in the ways that he's met me in healing. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to listen in and hear more of Stacy's story as she's inspired me in so many ways and be more vulnerable on my end. Oh, thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. Um, I know that you are one that will share the hard things and also the faithfulness of God. Mm-hmm. To tag on to that, Alex, I was wondering if you would tell us kind of about your role with Speak Out Loud, please. We would love for you to kind of introduce in the correct terminology. So since I don't really know. (laughs) You're amazing. Because you do a lot, a lot of things. There has to be a correct vernacular. So, (laughs) Oh, wow. So in short, I've been working in social media management off and on the last few years of my life, but have gone full time this beginning of this year. And so with Speak Out Loud, I'm getting the opportunity to well, firstly, content creation, social me- social media management, yes, mm-hmm. strategy, design, helping them with small things, just graphics, and ultimately helping them find more engagement so that people can know the message. Mm-hmm. I have a, an extreme zeal for businesses and organizations and platforms that are Christian based mm-hmm. so that they can get connected to people and their message can be shared. Sure. And that's why I care so deeply about speak out loud, not only because I can connect, but I believe severely believe <laughs> if that word's okay to use in that sentence sure. and what they're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Alex, you're still, and you're still building your, your freelance practice, your freelance work. Is that correct? Yes. So I have a few clients at this moment. Okay. I've had them for a minute, but I am still building and ready for more as yeah. always. So tell us the name of your business, please. Yes. So I partner with Natalie Brasket. She's the owner and operator of the Everything Project. It's two of us. And so we work with local businesses and entrepreneurs here in Oklahoma. Awesome. Okay. Well, and we're going to sh- make sure Alex, your information shared in the show notes so that uh, if any of our listeners out there would be interested in saying, I need to tap into some of those resources as well, that they can do so and and know how to find you and and just reach out to you. Tell us a little bit, Alex, about, you know, and I think so my side of the story is I was actually traveling for my my full time job. Uh, You and Stacy met that day and and Stacy kind of kept calling and calling, which is great. But I, I thought, you know, what's going on? So I slipped out of a meeting and took her call and she was so excited. She was like, 
you know, because we were already talking about, hey, we need to find, you know, the next person. And she was going into that meeting with you, not really even envisioning, hey, the, Alex is going to be our next partner to really help us advance just the mission of Speak Out Loud and advance the message. And so, you know, Stacy for like 10 minutes, just said, here's the reason why. Here's the, And I think she was trying to convince me. And I was just like, I'm convinced. Let's do it. Let's go for it. And so rather quickly, I think we met uh, we met for dinner maybe later that week. And yeah, we got this ball rolling and and we're excited because even as the last few weeks, I think we've seen the impact and we're, we're just, yeah, the impact you're making is tremendous. But I think one of the things that I really connected with and was excited about and felt so good about was kind of your connection to the mission and why you are passionate. You know, many freelancers can bring their skills and, and do, um, you know, and, and help you. But I think beyond that, you you believe what we're doing, obviously. You have, I think, a real heart and soul and personal reason for this. So maybe just share a little bit about why are you so passionate about our mission, which is to share hope and encouragement for those who struggle with mental health and for those who love and support them. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that, Doug. That was a really fun day with you, Stacey. It sure was. And I was not expecting that from the meeting either. I just wanted to hang out with you. It was very much my motive as well. <laughs> but yes, I would love to share more in full how and why Speak Out Loud mission strikes me as very important. So growing up, I was an only child and am an only child. And so in growing up, I started really becoming an anxious individual. I think about middle school or high school years, I started noticing how much anxiety I had. Yeah. And that was and has been based upon performance mindset. I've been actually seeing how the Lord's been revealing more and more of that to me the last month. Mm -hmm. You know, in his timing, he reveals things. And sometimes it feels like way too much to work through. But Mm. it was all solely based upon performance, mainly in an anxious attachment style uh, with my parents and feeling like I needed to perform for their love, which attaches to the Lord's love. So that began with running. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I got really good. I was one of the best in the state. I Mm -hmm. set state records and therein developed an eating disorder. I didn't know what that meant for me. I wanted to be the best. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a professional runner mm-hmm. and I got good really quick. I found a coach out in Dallas, shout out to Terry Jessup with mm-hmm. Metroplex Striders <laughs> and he changed my life. An incredible man, an incredible group of female runners and, and guys that just helped me to hone in on my skills. And so I think it kind of created a just how can I be the most Mm. perfect Mm -hmm. runner. So friendships went to the side, even the desire for church activities. Mm. I was seen as a leader growing up in my youth group. I came to know the Lord at 12, but running was the first reason why I would go to bed early, what timing I would eat a certain meal, how Mm. many calories I would eat in a day. Mm -hmm. I was taught how to count calories and Once I did, it was like, I'm cooking dinner for the family every night. Like my parents can't enter the kitchen. I'm going to be weighing things and using a scale and measuring cups. Right. right. Wow. But it's like the only thing I knew. Sure. And it was like that helped me become the best athlete. Mm -hmm. So I know it's pretty 
prevalent in female athletics and male athletics to develop this, especially in running, because Mm -hmm. it's such a selfish sport. It's a beautiful sport. It's an art. But once I got to college, then it just, wow, it escalated. I saw my mind more than I ever had anxiety attacks up in the more up until 2 a.m. in the morning. My my sweet mother would be on the phone with me until 2 a.m. Wow. while I'm just like freaking out because mm-hmm. I could hear my roommates in the other room. I have three other roommates I don't even know. And I'm not performing. I'm not getting first in practice. Mm-hmm. So I, again, as you're hearing, a lot of this is attached to the sport sport and appearance. And so that is kind of started where, you know, pictures of my body every day in the mirror, Sure, you know, continuing to measure, but always hiding. Mm -hmm. No one knew I had an app that was counting calories obsessively. Mm -hmm. I'd have panic attacks again. Like if I didn't know the calories in something, I recall going to our weight room at Baylor and we'd have to weigh three times a week. And if you Mm -hmm. were too heavy or too light, you couldn't compete in the race. And I was in the top seven. So the traveling team, I would put weights in my sports bra Yeah, to be heavier. Yeah. And I was encouraged to do it by other people. And it was like, how sick were we? Yeah. Again, our focus was running, but it's like, what got us there? But it's the world I lived in. So Mm -hmm. um, anxiety, depression. I remember after a really huge race, I know this is so running focused, but I hope that you can hear and resonate with me. Not, it's not always about a sport. There was something that triggered this in me and it mm-hmm. wasn't just running. Mm-hmm. That was the catapult. Sure. So I'll touch back on that later. It's probably throughout this episode, but right, right. I just remember a particular race. We traveled for a track meet. I ran a 5k on a track and one of the worst races of my life it was pretty bad ish, I guess. And mm-hmm. my coach wouldn't interact with me after the race. Oh, how it would happen at times. Love the man, but that was just a really bad, sore memory. I remember being on the plane on the way back and the thought came, I want to die. I hate myself. Mm. And I said, oh no, like I've never had that thought before. Wow. Oh no. And so I remember we landed and I texted mom and dad. I said, I have something to tell you. I need help. And I'm so proud of myself. Sure. Absolutely. No one told me to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I just knew that wasn't right got into seeing a psychiatrist. And so anxiety still stayed. I still have struggled with it till this day. Honestly, guys, I didn't stop counting calories until about six months ago. I counted calories for 15 years of my life. Sure. Sure. I didn't have a period for 10 years of my life. Mm -hmm. I injured and hurt my body and brain because it's all I knew. Mm. Like I thought I was nourishing myself, but I was actually hurting my soul. So that is a huge piece of my story. Sure. And again, like I said, that running wasn't the culprit, but it was a piece that catapulted it. It's literally life altering when you get to that point to where you're so in control of all of the things that you put in your body. I remember going to Target and taking out five scales and unwrapping them all. I'm sure the people watching on the video were like, what? And I would weigh myself on all five scales. And then I would take the average mean of all of them. And that would be my weight for the day. I did this all the time in front of my kids and everything. And I didn't even have a second thought about it. I was like, there's not a scale at home. So I'm going to do it out in, you know, wherever it's uh, available for me, just not around anybody who would really compute with what I was doing. So 
it's it's a very sad, sick illness, and um, we appreciate so much you leading with that, Alex. I guess I would just like to ask you how does how has God cared for you in your whole being, including mental health? How would you describe that in your own life, Alex? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it looks different for everyone because each person's relationship to the Lord is very unique in the ways that they need to hear from them because of their story, their wounding, Mm -hmm. their trauma. Mm -hmm. For me, it started off with the church that I attend here, Frontline, downtown congregation. I think it was just some of the staffers or elders, they met me with such grace. Mm. I had been attending for a while and I decided it was time to go back into ministry. I worked at a previous ministry position. I was fired. And obviously that was extremely difficult. And so when I went back to go again, Mm -hmm. I interned at 26 and, you know, shot my pride in the foot and Mm. uh, started meeting with some of the elders, recognizing my desire and thirst to grow in knowing the Lord more intimately. Mm -hmm. I started meeting with a couple, their names are Brian and Myrna and incredible prayer warriors and just really in tune with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. I think that's kind of where it came from. People meeting me in Mm -hmm. ways I didn't know that I needed Mm -hmm. because I've always felt guilt for allowing people to help. So I think that's kind of where it began, having wisdom from older people speaking into my life, meeting me where I am without judgment. Right, right. And then the Lord giving me confidence to put words to eating disorder, which I only put words to last year Mm. and I'm 29, Mm. but- Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that people and then community, young ladies in my life as well, meeting me where I am, Mm. my age, like specifically the woman that's one of the managers at Harvey, Jackie is is a particular individual who Mm. just sees me and meets me where I am and I'm able to process things and I'm not just plastered with advice. Sure. She listens. Sure. That's amazing because so many people have that tendency to want to fix because they don't want to see you suffer. And, um, also I think there's a little bit of arrogance there. You know, I, I went there with so-and-so and and now they're better. And that's not always what happens. It just helps peel back another, um, part of the onion for lack of a better way to say it. There's that ministry of just being there. Alex, your heart is just amazing because it hasn't been, by any means, just this, you know, I was in the ministry, I was a hundred percent blessed and this is what's come of it. You have grown being in the ministry and your well has gotten fuller. It feels like at times because of being in the ministry and the people who have, you know, have mentored you. And then I also think sometimes it's drained the well. And so I feel like that I'm hearing you on that big time because that is, a devastating thing that you don't necessarily expect when you surrender to being in the ministry. And so um, thank you for so much for um, just knowing that we want to hear that and also know that we respect you so much in that. And I know you don't need that, but I'm going to tell you that anyway. Alex, thank you so much for sharing that. And I think one of the things I'm hearing as I listen to you share your story, and I really appreciate that because I know you've had a chance to interact with Stacy probably a lot more than me even. And and possibly you have have had a chance, both of you, to talk some about that. But there was a—I I think I knew bits and pieces of what you just shared, but I didn't know—I didn't know a lot of that story. 
And so I appreciate that because I think it it certainly adds to just the depth, I think, of your understanding. And it's and, and somehow even translating at times what we're trying to say, which is important. We need translators sometimes. So thank you for being a translator for us. One of the things I really think is powerful and I think is, is important for everyone to hear is when, when you're, when you were talking about, um, you know, how, how is God caring for you? I think it was very natural for you to flow right into a discussion about, Hey, my Christian community, here's my church. Here's this group of people that God brought into my life. And I think obviously you're seeing that and you're feeling that and you're experiencing that as this is God's care and God's love for me. But so often we experience those things through other people. I mean, and I think God, God has built it that way. God, you know, instructs us and, and, and wants us to be part of a church, a community, a fellowship of other believers because of that very reason. If I need grace, if I need forgiveness, you know, I can, I can sense it from God and his spirit, but, but when I sense that in the heart of my fellow believers, that they forgive me and they're giving me God's forgiveness and they're, and they're demonstrating love for me, then I think it really becomes tangible in my life. And so and I say all that because I say the, the normal tendency for, I think, struggles with mental health, mental illness, is to begin to isolate. To me, it's, it's one of the insidious parts of any mental illness, of any mental health issue we struggle with, is that the natural tendency is it draws us away from others. It, it wants us to isolate. I think it's the fear it creates in us. There's anxiety. There's, there's all kinds of reasons that happen. But I think as we listen to people share about challenges they face, the battles they fight, that is at the heart of almost every story. And so thank you for sharing that. I think that's an encouragement for us. It's an encouragement for everyone listening. Being a part of that is important because I think you're going to experience wholeness, healing, comfort, all those different things in that context. With that said, I would also love to hear your feedback and and your thoughts on this, is that for a lot of people that struggle with mental health, I think that at times People around us, well-meaning, can be guilty of trying to come up with very simple solutions. And sometimes in the Christian community, in that church context, that solution can become just a very simple kind of uh, formula, right? It's like, hey, it's, it's a spiritual issue, right? It's, it's somehow your relationship with God. If you would pray more, if you would read your Bible more, possibly if you'd attend church more, whatever those kind of and more, just do this more kind of thing might be, somehow that's also going to fix the mental health kind of struggle you're going through. And I think in the danger of saying it that way is that, oh, we don't silo these things off. It's not like this is over here and my faith is over here. I think we're interconnected beings, we're interconnected people, and all those things intersect. But all that lead in to ask you this question, Alex, for you, in in the kind of this context, how have you seen your relationship with God, your relationship with your church community impact your recovery from both a spiritual nature, but also what maybe just from a mental health standpoint, what are all the different avenues, I guess, of how you've had to explore and also pursue recovery? I think and know that I take more of the controversial and, you know, I've experienced healing from the Lord. Yes, the Lord has met me. The Holy Spirit has met me in insane and beautiful ways. I've received extreme peace from reading the Word of God. You know, this Holy Spirit and the 
the Lord uses scripture to speak to our hearts. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's what the Bible is here for, so that we might know the Lord more and better understand who we are worshiping, who we are, our lives are directed towards. The thing is, the Lord created our minds. The Lord created our bodies. He understands psychology. He understands all the things about what trauma does to us, about personality disorders, about anxiety, depression, eating disorders. He understands all of that. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want that for us. Imagine this, like when the world began, God created Adam and Eve and sin entered the world. You think they probably experienced some trauma from their first experience of sinning. Don't you think? I feel like they probably had to work through that. That's a good point. I feel like they had to think through like, hmm, wow, I wish I hadn't done that. Don't you think they were affected by that? And they didn't have the Bible at that point. You know, they didn't have someone say, just read the Bible and it will be better. Pray and it will be better. Exactly. I think they probably had to process and grieve and experience and imagine and think through what life would be like if they didn't. Yes, because it's a process of grieving is imagining and thinking through, but also imagining the grace of the Lord. That means that there's a lot of work that has to be done. That means there needs to be rewiring of the brain, new neural pathways to be created. I'm a extreme advocate for EMDR is something that I've done myself. Yes. When I was in second or third grade, I was sexually abused by a classmate in school, in public, in a dark room. I've worked through it done EMDR, had to do EMDR on getting fired from that church. Lots of circumstances and experiences I've had too. Also, EMDR is not the answer. Like you need to invite the Holy Spirit into those moments, Mm -hmm. into doing differing forms of therapies. And I know Stacy's a huge advocate for that as well. And is weekly having to work through things. So to say to someone, just pray about it and be better, I think is really hateful because yes, we can, but we have to do work too. Absolutely. I think that's a lazy stance because it's just asking God to fix your problems. And it's not that they're problems. It's because there's sin in the world. This is, I know I sound passionate because I am, but this is a topic my boyfriend Josiah and I talk through pretty, pretty regularly. He has pretty immense trauma from his life and he's had to work hard, invite the Holy Spirit in, invite the Lord into these moments. And it's like he, he had to do work to be where he is now. And he really contributed so much to me comprehending this topic more. Wow. Okay. And I think, you know, it's interesting, Alex and Stacy, that it seems like mental health, mental health treatment certainly seems to be one area where, and I get there's probably reasons for that. We can, yeah, there's some, some stuff maybe that's really out there that we need to be discerning about. We need, like, I think... Inviting the Holy Spirit into that process, Alex, is a great way to say that because he is helping to provide that discernment for us. And also, um, when we're in those moments, particularly um, at the depths or, or in our recovery process, we are vulnerable and we need people around us that can also help be discerning. But it's interesting that this is still an area where I think so often we silo off each kind of treatment option whether, okay, it's, for lack of a better way of saying it, the spiritual option, the medicine option, the cognitive therapy counseling option. And, and we segment those pieces off and we silo them. Whereas I think even as Christians, we're very accustomed to in almost every other kind of health issue to integrating all those pieces, right? I mean, 
it's not uncommon for us, you know, and again, we, we really don't want to compare illnesses. Comparative suffering is not good for anybody. So we're not trying to get into that that game or make a statement along those lines. But I think, you know, the church, Christians, we get that when it comes to, say, someone walking a cancer journey or cancer battle. I mean, we understand the integration of of medicine, of, of, of medical treatments, whether they be surgery or medicine or all those different elements and bringing in kind of the best doctors we can ac- have access to. At the same time, we understand the value of, of, of community rallying around that person in that battle. And we, and we really understand the value of a person's mental outlook and their hope level and, and how I think there's data that, that says a person that has hope is so much more likely to not only endure, but maybe survive and thrive in the midst of whatever their, their significant health challenge is. And I think from the church, we don't silo off different types of treatment with other illnesses, but we do still to this day, too often at least, when it comes to mental illness and mental health. I love how you've talked about the integration of that and how important that is and and the impact that has from seeking therapy, seeking, you know, professional counseling. And I think too, and I've been a pastor before, I've been a minister. It's hard to know, and I think probably this is a strength they're gaining. It's hard at times to know when do I refer? What is that line between kind of what traditionally is called pastoral counseling, which I think is helping guide someone to implement the truths of the Bible into their daily life. And when is there a real reality of, okay, I need professional assistance here. My, my parishioner needs professional guidance that I don't have. I, I've had instances where I've gone to pastors and close spiritual mentors and friends and in deep despair maybe about a health issue. And you say, can I pray over this? Would you pray for this with me? And they engage in that, but there's never a hesitation then to say, hey, you should probably still go see your cardiologist, right? You should still go see your medical doctor. That's part of the whole thing. It's not, well, let's just do it this way and, and cut that other person out of the mix. Quit taking, you know, this medicine you've been prescribed. We don't do that. That's even pastoral malpractice if that would happen. But I think that that integration is so key and so important. So, Alex, in your experience, what have you seen work? And, and basically, can you kind of advise us on how uh, listeners can help spread hope and encouragement for those who struggle with mental health? What has been your experience in that? What does work? What doesn't? Number one, more discipline doesn't mean more success. That's right. More punishment and discipline does not mean that you will succeed over this battle. That's right. I think that's our first notion and idea, especially those suffering with an eating disorder. We just want to punish ourselves more. Maybe if we messed up one day, I know I've struggled with binge eating. That was a huge thing I struggled with. Mm. And the Lord's giving me extreme victory. Wow. Uh, okay. For for a good amount of time now. And I probably just by saying that the enemy is going to come at me. So we, are, we aren't going to allow that, sir. That's right. <laughs> not today. But no. I, I think that's one of the things that does not work. Um, punishing ourselves more. But what really does is being most authentic and vulnerable about those things that you're terrified to share. Sure. Stacey, like maybe you hadn't brought your daughters or they hadn't seen you weighing, but that was a thing that you knew that you were carrying and you didn't share that with anyone. No. And it's like you had that, you knew that you were doing that 
you were keeping that and hiding that mm-hmm. deep down, but now you're speaking it out loud. Right. Ooh, I didn't mean to say that, but that, <laughs> that went along well. Sure. <laughs> it sure did. Now you're speaking that out loud. And for me, it honestly, to mention him again, my boyfriend, I know I'm that girl, but <laughs> I, you should see them together. You, there would be many reasons why she would. They're, <laughs> they're absolutely darling. He's, he's my best friend, but I think the key thing was my mom was the only one that knew that I counted calories. Okay. That was in the biggest piece of my eating disorder. And I didn't know, like I thought if I stop, then I will spiral. That's right. Like that's what I thought. Actual real fear. Mm -hmm. You'll state your life on it. I will spiral. I will die. I will die. I will suffocate. Right. I'll binge eat till I turn into an obese caterpillar. And I don't want to be an obese caterpillar. So, you know, like mm-hmm. all those fears. And so honestly, the day I was driving to the church when I was working there last year and I was just driving, listening to worship music and the thought came, it was like, I don't have to count anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was just startled and I started sobbing. I was like, I don't have to. And as cheesy as it sounds, mm-hmm. it had been due to the ways that I had been met by Josiah, the ways he's attuned to me mm-hmm. and seen me and met me in my grief and my sadness, the ways I've attuned to him and his grief and sadness. Sure. And yeah, he's not perfect and I'm not perfect, but those pieces the Lord had used and is still using. Mm. And so that happened that night. We had dinner together and I think we were eating schlotchkeys or something. And I was <laughs> babe, I have to tell you something. He's like, what, what is it? Kind of like going to be serious. Mm -hmm. I've kept something from you Mm. and I've never told anyone this. And I did. And I just remember feeling really overwhelmed. I thought he was going to hate me (laughs) and be disgusted by me. He doesn't fathom or comprehend what it feels like fully to battle what we have to battle. Mm. And that's okay. He doesn't have to fully understand. He doesn't, right. And when we expect people to, long story short, that is one of the most important things. That thing that you are terrified of sharing with anyone, share it with someone, not just anyone, but someone that, that can hold your story well. I saw a quote the other day. I think it was from one of my favorite authors and speakers, Dan Allender, and he he spoke to, like, I don't trust, or maybe it was John Eldridge. Yeah, I can get them both mixed up. <laughs> but <laughs> Both great. <laughs> both great. Uh, he spoke to, I don't trust people that haven't suffered. I was just like. That's powerful. Yep. Yep. And hey, I haven't suffered like Stacy and Doug have. We both suffered in our particular lens. That's There's right. no reason to compare our suffering. That's right. And say, oh, yours is just way worse than mine. They just look quite a bit different. I think that's the two points. So again, to review, number one, don't punish yourself more or just tell yourself, I need to discipline myself more. Mm -hmm. And number two, in order to find more deep healing, share that one thing or two or three things. And you're thinking of them right now with Mm -hmm. that person that can hold your story. Mm. Absolutely. That's very powerful, Alex. And, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking and I'm going, gosh, The fear and the shame, the fear of the unknown of what would happen if I did say anything, being a minister's wife at that time, um, was devastating. Um, and I remember keeping it quiet for 16 years and I just thought, 
I'm drowning in something that I don't really even know what the outcome will be. Now, in the ministry position we were in, the outcome was us needing to leave the church. That was hard. Um, They were scared. Um, I would never want to put them down. They were scared. They didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do. But all of that led to the fact that when I did finally say something, of course, Doug knew we didn't know to the degree. We just knew I was getting smaller and smaller as far as nutrition. Um, I don't ever talk weight, size. It's such a comparison battle with people. But I do know that once I said something, I realized at that moment, we need to keep them safe because they're very precious. And so Alex, you're you know, advice to go to someone who, you know, will hold it well is more important than you you can ever know until you are to the point where if ever that you can tell one more person and then one more person, if you never get to that point, it's okay. Letting go of that secret with even one person helps the enemy not be so toxic. And gosh, the hardest thing you can do is tell something that is private, but the most freeing thing that you can do is tell something that's private. Or that's something that you've been hurt from so much that has silenced you. So, yeah, thank you for making sure that we remember that part of it as well as all the other great things you've said today. So, Alex, we always end our podcast with this question because the things we talk about are so deep and so hard, but also so hopeful and life-giving. At the same time, we always try to come full circle in that when it's possible, depending where you are on your journey. But what is giving you hope lately, Alex? What is giving me hope in this current season is honestly my clients. I know that's cheesy. No, it's not. I can see that in you because you get, you believe. get so excited. Yeah, you get so excited (laughs) and you totally believe if you've got the client, if you've taken on the client that you believe in the mission behind it. And us as a nonprofit, we don't always know how that will translate. And you've just embraced that so beautifully. I totally get that about you. So I think that is huge for my mindset right now. Even website design that I'm getting to do and receiving feedback. I love feedback and I love being able to bring people's visions to life. It provides me motivation and excitement because it's not for me. I think I sent you this text yesterday. We were talking through things and- I, know I, what you're gonna say. I was like, I'm not creating for myself. I'm creating for you to glorify God. That just provides in me more discipline in a sense, in a good way, not bad right, way, right. <laughs> in a good way to create for you guys and see what the Lord can do with it to reach more lives. And so that is something I'm finding more hope and joy in. And what we, what we often say is it's about the one. And that's so true. It's about the one. But what if... We can use your gift and talents in order to reach more than one. Thank you. I mean, thank you for obeying your calling to be able to do that. Because with technology today and with your knowledge, it's so much more possible to reach beyond the one and just bring hope to people's lives in Jesus, no matter where they are on their journey. And we hold close to that because if you've listened to any of our podcasts or looked at any of our social media, you know that we're still on the journey. We are getting healing and victory in ways that sometimes we can't even see. And we just have to go, God, please show us. So thank you for making that something very visual for us so that that way we can be reminded ourselves before we even experience things with the one. Well, and Alex, we're really thankful that you have partnered with us in this mission and that you are a hope giver. 
If we had to boil down even our mission beyond just that phrase, we would say we want to be hope givers. And and thank you for being a hope giver alongside of us and with us and helping us in that mission. So as we wrap up today, a couple things. Alex, tell people how, what's the best way they can find you if they would like to learn more about what you do as not just with Speak Out Loud, but possibly as a, as a resource, social media point person. How can they access you online? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking. So number one, our website is theeverythingproject.co. You can find that. More of our services and how we work with people, nonprofits, local businesses, entrepreneurs, whatever that looks like. Then you can also find our Instagram. So it's going to be the.everythingproject. So that is the Instagram handle to find us. And then my personal account, if you just kind of want to connect with me, Alexandra underscore J underscore Davis underscore. <laughs> Lots of. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I kind of post about what I get to do, but that's more of my personal life. Well, and when you have a last name like Getzinger, like we do, you don't have to use a lot of underscores. So we, under- we understand uh, yes. Davis may, Very may need a little bit more uh, <laughs> find creative ways of, of finding unique uh, unique handles for that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and since you're now serving as our point person, helping us with so much social media, how would you encourage listeners, what's the best ways they can connect with Speak Out Loud and access us online and find those resources and stay up to date with all that, all that we're doing? Yeah. So our favorite way of communication is through our DMs on Instagram. I know Stacy really, really enjoys having conversations through there. Absolutely. Our, our website is still really incredible, speakoutloud.me. And mm-hmm. you can find all of that Stacy is doing and all the podcast episodes and more recent ones. And so I think that is an incredible resource to just look through everything that they're doing. Yeah. I think that's the best way to contact us. You can find the email through there as well on the contact form. So I would definitely, first of all, just go through the Instagram. Well, and our Instagram handle is also speakoutloud.me. So you can find us there and uh, see all of, of Stacy's work and also Alex's work in, in helping us just get that out there. Peruse our Instagram page. I mean, it's just beautiful. I mean, it's so aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> well, and I would encourage you uh, and our listeners to track down a copy of Stacy's book, You Are Worth Saving, Letters of Hope from a Desperate Heart. If you've not read that before, if you've not accessed that, it is available both in um, hard copy as well as on Audible in an audio form. Stacy is the narrator for her audiobook, does a great job with that. So you can find both those things at Amazon or at Audible. Uh, we're based in Oklahoma City, so a number of local bookstores and local resources are now carrying that. Um, Alex has this episode may be releasing after this, but we're excited because Alex has helped connect us to uh, – a book event at Coffee Slingers, a great coffee shop in Oklahoma City on June the 10th. So that's going to be a great event. And um, if you haven't had a chance to swing by there, you can find it at other places and other bookstores here in town in Oklahoma City. But you can always find it on Amazon and and download it. It is a great, I think, just encouragement. It's 30 chapters, 30 letters. They can be read all at once. They can be read once a day. So it's a great encouragement that Stacy provides and it's just another way that I think she, out of her story and our story, is delivering hope and sharing hope for those that struggle with mental illness and for those of us who love and support them. 
So we appreciate you. Thank you, our listeners. Thank you for being a part of this. Alex, thank you. We are so thankful for what you shared today as well as for the opportunity to get to work with you now and and are excited to see where all this heads in the months ahead. Until next time, we're out for the Speak Out Loud podcast. Thanks, guys.